Um, so welcome to episode three. We've made it episode three of the punt. Um, really no, excited. No, Sorry. No, no. <laughs> no, yeah, but that's still this, is, no this will be the last episode of um, having to share mics. Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure it will. At least, the lights, at least the lights are still on. We're still going. We've made it to episode that's it, three. That's it. Yeah, no, we're building nicely. We've got Richard Friedman here. Stoked to have you here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Australian media personality. Um, always got a, an opinion, which is great. That's what we want here. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting some, some thoughts off you about the great game. Um, I've got my sidekicks. Uh, one of the best blokes in Australia, Jai down the end. One of the worst punters in Australia, straight bat in the middle. <laughs> one of the best up-and-coming punters in Australia, Midi just here. I try. Yep, and then uh, I'm Richie Rich, one of the founders of Wolfden. Um, so, first question: Were you out at track work this morning? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, How was that? Oh well, you know, how do you think it is a four o'clock start? You <laughs> 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 know, it's, it's that's uh, I love training horses. I love horses, but uh, the hours are brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And without sort of, I, I wanted to talk about that more later on, but I might as well get into it now. So. You were airborne. You had a great media career. Everything was going well, and then suddenly you decided to get back into training. Like, uh, what happened? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it really sprang out of um, my son wanting to be a trainer, Will, mm-hmm. who's now my partner uh, in the in the business. And um, he, he he, in spite of all my discouragement, and really. I did discourage it. I tried to be – I said, no, 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 try everything else first. Yeah. Hoping you'd find something. How old's Will now? Well, he's 30 now. Okay, so he's had a fair crack at everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he said, no, I want to be a horse trainer. And that was about five, six, maybe seven years ago. Yeah. And um, he was going to basically join Michael Friedman yep. as a foreman and, and take his pathway through there. Um, and then Michael went to Hong Kong and sort of Will said, well, that looks like the end of my – pathway yeah and i just at that time thought oh well suppose we can get a few horses and i'll train them and i'll teach you how to train and we'll take it from there yeah was he always at the track when he was a young fellow no no No, he's he's a pretty good golfer don't (laughs) spend a lot of time on the golf course um he's you know he can play guitar he can play played in a couple of bands and things like that and you know, he's tried a few different things. Mm, he's a good character. I haven't met him, but we've had a little bit of banter yeah, he's, and um, he's funny. He's had a pretty rich yeah. upbringing. He calls you Big Dick. So. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Does that make him Little Dick? <laughs> is, he, is he Little Dick now, is he? Uh, well, they, you know, unfortunately, teaming up with, uh, with, with Will, we've now been sort of branded the Dick and Willie show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> so, you know, at the moment, he's Willie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, awesome. So, you guys are one of the most famous racing families in Australia, and I wanted to. A lot or of people. Sins. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, a lot of people watching this podcast won't realise how big you guys were in the late eighties and nineties, and I want to roll back because it was such an amazing time in racing. Yeah. I want to roll back to that and have a have a good talk about it. But can you just sort of set the stage for us, like when you guys were kids, was punting and horse racing a big part of your upbringing? Yeah, they were. I mean, our great grandfather was a was a very um, successful jockey. Rode three Melbourne Cup winners, so it's been in the family a long time. Yeah, you know, that was back in the First World War days. So, yep. you know, it's um, over a hundred years it, ago. It was, now. Racing was all there really was in Australia back then, right? Yeah, the pre- yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, really. sure. I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I may look. Sure, cool. Yeah, I hear. I hear it's the case, <laughs> right? but. Um, 
yeah, it, was, it goes back that far and it came through my father's side. And, um, yeah, the, the, uh, we, we grew up on a horse stud in Yass, mm-hmm. the brothers, and um, we just, you know, we knew nothing else. On Saturday, the old man took horses to the races, so mm. we went and strapped them. And What kind of racetracks are we talking about? Oh, like? mostly Canberra, yep. Queanbeyan, yep. Goulburn, yep. you know. How many bookers would there be at a Canberra on a Saturday way back then? Saturday, not that many, but Sunday. That, remember, Canberra used to have the you – know, you blokes are all too young. The Canberra <laughs> had the first Sunday meetings um, because yeah, right. different, different territory, different laws and rules and things. So they had the first Sunday meetings. And then all the big bookmakers would come down and field at Canberra on a Sunday and there yeah. would be a whole ring and, you know, Terry Page and – Robbie Waterhouse and Bill Waterhouse and, you know, all the, all the big names at that time back when I was a kid, back in the, you know, 70s and 80s, they'd be there every Sunday. Mm, so, what, 20, 30, 40 bookies? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, big ring down so there. So, there's a, I think there's a good story coming about betting it in the ring at Canberra, but we'll get to that pretty soon. But So, I did a little bit of research, as, as a good interviewer should, and it sounds like you guys set up in... Uh, Questionable. <laughs> <laughs> first kicked off in 1983, right? A, um, Correct. Yeah, yeah, good. And Warwick Farm? Uh, in, in Canberra, on the farm first in 1983. And then we had a, a bit of luck with, with one horse and then thought, oh, well, we'll just be horse trainers. You know? so, so when you say bit of luck, is that that you had a big crack at it? Yeah. Is yeah. this sitting bull? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right it's out. an old so story. Okay. Cause yeah. there's, there's been... It's a long story too. You know. Let's do it. Let's uh, do you it. want to do a long story? Yeah. All the, all the detail, we want everything. There's nothing better than like smash. Everyone watching this wants to hear about the bookies getting smashed. It doesn't happen anymore. Um, and there's nothing better than a, than, a, than a dynasty being set up via a big plunge. So let's well, do it. I'll cut it short because it can go on for like 30 minutes. <laughs> but but um, I'll, we're, we, we spilled a few horses on the farm and Dad had an old, had a grey horse sitting out in the paddock getting fat and apparently no one had paid for it. And he basically, you know, they weren't paying their... their their spelling fees so the old man said you know picked out two of us at the dinner table you and you right you go out and round that thing up bring it in here we'll we'll send it up to a dogger sale which is where they sell horses for pet food yeah <laughs> well, it was nice and fat he would have brought it <laughs> price, you know? anyway lee to his credit said oh he's a nice horse so, you know wouldn't mind training how old are you guys at this time oh like 20 or something around wow. that 1920 wow. or something yeah and somewhere around there and Lee said, oh, I wouldn't mind having a crack at training a racehorse. And the old man sort of said, oh, yeah, this would be good. <laughs> and he said, and anyway, he said, well, you can have a little crack at it. We won't send him to the sale. Anyway, so Lee starts training it and, you know, we're getting it ready. We're all, you know, having a little input here, you know, riding it. And anyway, we got it fit, thought it could gallop, galloped with a, with a horse in at the Yass racetrack where my old man was the curator, allegedly. <laughs> uh, and uh, it walloped this thing that had been winning the, 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 the flying at Young and Cower and all these places around Yass. And, um, you know, the, we thought, oh, wacko, we'll have a go at this. So yeah. we cobbled together as much money as we could get, which was a few thousand bucks from selling whatever assets we owned, which weren't much. And um, went to Canberra on a Sunday because we knew there'd be a big bookmaker's ring on a Sunday. We'll get all our cash on, you know. And, and was this its first start? Yeah. yeah. Five-year-old Gilding. <laughs> first, <laughs> never had a start. first start in a race. Wow. Trainer no, having his first runner in a race. No trial? No trial. And just and so the Friedman name, like, 
it was nothing back then. Not to disrespect no. Seaburn. So like there was nothing. Well, like if you had a first, if there was a first starter now at Canberra, they'd put it up three or four dollars. Yeah, yeah, Based on just the name, right? They put it up thirty-three dollars. Wow. Right. <laughs> and uh, and we all had you know cash to go hit the bookies with, and uh, I can remember Lee saying, "I said, but get on now." He said, "No, no, this will ease a bit." <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> holding out, wait for it, wait for it. Anyway, price started to come down. <laughs> 25s, 20s. This is not you guys backing it? No. So who knew? No, we, as we're going in, our old man's coming out. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, first rule of racing, he said, get your own. Yeah. He said, I've been paying this for my, this horse. He said, you don't think Mate, you can fool me, do you? I'm okay. fine with that. That's, I'm sweet with him doing that. Anyway, yeah, that's we got the money on. We got so, a shitload. So we're talking, uh, you got a few thousand on it? And at, at about 15, do we, 16 and, and to what, 1. You, what yeah, was right. it, collect like 100,000? No, 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 no. Do the math. Yeah, right? yeah, so you got so, so, so forty five thousand. That like round that, right? Well, awesome. It was a huge amount. Huge in money. 1980. What were they letting right? you on for? How much were the bookies letting you on for? Back oh, in those I days? don't know. Whatever we could, whatever yeah. we had, you and know. You those had, days, it's just and they you got, bet did anyone. You, did you, you know? get yeah. Grandpa Bill and Robbie? You got them? I can't remember that <laughs> those details. <laughs> I, I don't know. But I, I, anyway, we'll ask Robbie. He'll probably remember. He was a shitload. Yeah, we took we took him to Sydney his next start and had had more on and it won by that far and we thought oh. Just be racehorse trainers. It seems easy. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk us through that night after the plunge. What was the, the night like after that? Oh, no, just a few beers. Yeah, just I don't cold. know. It was mixed feelings. Looking at the old man, he got more than we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah, wonderful. Okay, so now you got a bit of bankroll, and then you, did you did the three of you? Was it three or four of you? Did you? It was originally three of us because Michael was still at school, um, and we. Actually, I stayed on the farm and Lee and Anthony came up here and lived in a flat in Liverpool for a while, mm -hmm. training at Warwick Farm, and I was getting horses ready down on the farm and sending them up. And uh, after a while they said, this is no good here. And Warwick Farm in those days was rough, you know, <laughs> not like it is now. You know, and it, yeah. it's, it, it, there's leading trainers out there now. There were no leading trainers out there then. <laughs> yeah. And they said, we're going to starve here. So we, um, he said, oh, well, we tried to get on Randwick and they you know, sort of wrote our letter of, you know, we want to come to Randwick. And they said, who are you again? Yeah. You know, and said... This, Tommy yeah. Smith and that were dominating yeah, yeah. this time. Yeah, Never mind. We, was, we were no hope getting yeah. there. Mm -hmm. So we said, oh, we've got to go to... There's only other one other place to go. You've got to go to Flemington. Yeah. We'd never... And none of us had ever been to Victoria. Mm -hmm. The first time I went to Victoria, I went there to live. Wow. <laughs> Drove yeah. the car down with all my possessions in it yeah. and moved into a stable block that we, that we bought... Um, with with sitting bull money, yeah, there, some of that in there, yeah. and a whole lot of borrowings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because um, we knew there was a bylaw in Victoria that said if you owned a stable adjacent to the Flemington Racecourse because it's Crown land, that you had the right to train on the course. Right. And I don't think the club knew it. Anyway, <laughs> nice. we turned up there and said to Ron King, who was the the uh, course curator down there, the the manager, said, "Oh, Mr. King, nice to meet you. Richard Friedman, Lee Friedman, Anthony Friedman." Um, we'd like to train on the course. Where would you like us to tie up? And he said, what? <laughs> <laughs> said, oh, yeah, yeah, we want to train on the race course. It's in the, it's in the, it's in the law, right? Yeah. We, we have a stable. We bought it. That, oh, you bought that? Yeah, we did. So I don't think he knew. I don't think the board knew. Which mm. smart-ass um, figured that out? Who, uh... We got tipped off by... Rest his soul, and he's a great man. The ex-governor of Victoria, the former governor of Victoria, is now uh, is now uh, gone to God. But uh, uh, Sir Brian Murray, who 
I used to catch the school bus with his wife, who was my English teacher. Wow. <laughs> and that's how we sort of became family friends. This is before they became, he became governor and, and Lady Murray. And, um, and he said, yeah, yeah, that law's in there. Don't <laughs> worry, boys. If you buy the place, you're on. <laughs> so so we bought the place, yeah. got on there. And they, they said, how many horses you got? We said, six. And <laughs> they thought, I'm sure they thought, yeah. They won't last a few months. Six yeah. months. They'll yeah. be gone and better off letting them do it so no one finds out that they can do this. Yeah. We'll just bury all of this. And 18 months later, we had 66 horses <laughs> on the course. And so how did you go so quickly to 66? Was it through networking or through winners? Well, no, we, we got down to um, – I remember we had our first runner in Victoria. was at Sandown. A horse called – I'll remember his name in a minute. But you'd think I would remember that, but I'm old. Um, <laughs> and uh, he anyway, I remember who wrote it. Paul Jarman wrote it. And he duly won. He says, her first runner in Victoria. Mm. They'd never heard of us. Uh, never heard of – any of our horses or anything, the horse won and we had business cards already and we start, we handed them out to the media and they said, trainer with a business card, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> but we figured out media, of which I've mm. been part of, are inherently lazy and if you write their stories for them, in those days, none of the trainers would talk to the media, the media were mm. enemies. Mm. But we just embraced them and said, yeah, you ring us any time or we'll, mm. we'll fill in your pages for you. So we just got more and more attention and trained more and more winners and ended up with more and more horses. Yeah, now, yeah. I don't know that it can be done these days because everybody's into what we were doing, but no one was doing it then. Did mm. the old fellas not like you, young upstarts? No, they upstart? hated us. Yeah, I was going to say. Know, so who, who were the big trainers back pretty then? Pretty much everybody hated us <laughs> in Victoria. <laughs> um, oh, Colin Hayes was big, Angus Armanasco, <laughs> Jeff Murphy... Uh, Bart Cummings had a big stable there. Um, you know, pretty much a who's who of, mm. of racing down there. Mm. But they were all in their twilight years. Mm. Yep. And someone was going to, you know, fill it in behind them. And, you know, we just, we just filled up the vacuum. Were you guys betting up back then? Were you, was it, were you big punters? Um, we, we, we probably, yes, but we pretty much figured out that, you know, the old days of, you know, setting horses up for the punt then, which was common, and they all did it. It was, it was on the way out because yep. we figured the more and more winners we train, the more and more money we'll make out of, out of commissions, out of the wins, but also mm. out of trading horses yep. and... Breeding you know, that, and all that, yeah. All sorts of, you know, yep. different ways of doing it. It, got really, it was the start of the real commercialisation of racing, wasn't yeah. it? Where there was... Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And we sort of cottoned onto that and we had a few different ways of doing things to the, the old trainers. Yeah. And, you know, we managed to build a, a pretty decent sized business awesome so um let's just we'll fast forward to the to the golden years let's call it and i, I got a great quote out of when i was doing my research um from somebody who wrote an article in sydney morning herald i don't know if you read it or not but he said i love the friedman family like a whole generation of fans they're the reason i fell in love with racing in the late 1980s into the early 1990s with their wayfarer sunglasses tailor-made suits and wild success including four straight slippers they made the sport cool, right? Huh. Great, great yeah. quote. That's yes, very nice. So I want to get into. I must thank my cousin for this. <laughs> <laughs> First question. So, so you guys made the sport cool in the eighties, nineties. Do you think you still make the sport cool now? No, we're too old to be cool. <laughs> we're, we're more into dad jokes and you know grandchildren now. But uh, 
that, that's very nice. It's I mean, a great we, quote, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And we did yeah. have a different style. That all started the, with the Wayfair sunglasses because Lee is you know, almost legally blind. He, right. can't, <laughs> he can't see without his glasses. And, um, and, he, and he's particularly sensitive to bright light. Right? So um, he used to wear these sunglasses all the time. So we thought, all wear them. And then we got a sponsorship from... Did you really? Yeah, from Bolle. How good. They, had, <laughs> they didn't have... We started off on Ray-Ban. Yeah, we, right. We gave them a try. And said, yeah, you know, and then we, they we, said... We, yeah. And they said... <laughs> so, but Bolle, the, the guy liked racing, he said, yeah, I'll give you sunglasses. And I don't think he gave us much money, but he gave yeah. us the sunglasses. Yeah. As many as we wanted. So that was funny. We had... Yeah, I don't know if our suits were tailor-made, but... but I've already but, pulled some great photos of you guys in your... In your wayfarers and suits, when yeah. we come back, and some good photos. Yeah, I mean, we'll get you to. It's easy to get yeah. suits that fit well when you're like, you know, sixty-one kilos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? it's harder as as you get bigger. <laughs> you guys um, would have been like trending if social media was around back in those days. You would have been. There was barely know. a fax. I know. Yeah. You'd, fax you'd was a, new technology. You'd have Ten million followers on Instagram and you know, <laughs> yeah, probably would have. Yeah, and TikTok and yeah. You know, was the partying like pretty big back then? Well, see, Lee's, Lee's a party animal. Uh, he's, uh, one thing I'll say about my elder brother, he is fun. He is terribly a music and he can – no one can go with him. And he, they right. can now. Right. They can go with him now. He's like right, a, but back in the day he was oh, – he's, he's like the old baker's horse now. Yeah. He's sort of plodding along but because but, uh, he's old, you know, um, ish. But uh, <laughs> back then Lee, Lee could go out till two in the morning. Wow. And then just turn up at the track and clock four horses at once, right? just yeah. unstoppable. Yeah, some people partying him never hurt him. He was yeah. indestructible. He must have a liver like a Volkswagen. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. process what oh, he, he was straight processing. Bats, straight bats. If we had to send someone into war for us in, in that, it'd be straight bats. I'm hoping. I'd be, I'd be ready. Yeah, yeah. ready yeah. for war. Maybe, maybe we need to make it happen. Lever straight bat. <laughs> no, no. Unfair, unfair. He's giving him. 25 years yeah. in advantage. We yeah. went down to the call of the card and um, we had a great time and we'd been partying for like 48 hours. I was back in the hotel and his wife texts me going, go and find Maddie and bring him home. If you don't bring him home, no one else will. And I said, <laughs> I said, I'm not, I'm, I, was just, I said, I'm not leaving the hotel, but I did call him and said, mate, your wife just called me telling you to come home. It's time to come home. He's like, sweet. And he, he did come home to his I did come home. I always listen. I uh, try to. Um, but yeah, I thought about living in Melbourne for the... After that phone call, I thought it might be a good idea just to stay down there because it was I was getting myself into some trouble. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it does, does happen in Melbourne. It's right? a magnificent mullet you've got there. Thank you. I do admire a good mullet. Well, it's uh, not easy to, to put it together, but it's um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely. Oh no, it's excellent. Well, I had yeah. a crack at it during COVID. Yeah. I was growing my hair a bit longer. With it. Someone said you should go the mullet, and I thought, no, nah, that's a step too far. <laughs> a lot of people are talking about. This. We put stuff up on Twitter and stuff, and a lot of people were talking about your hair. Yeah, saying something like you don't shampoo or you do shampoo or something like is that. Really? Oh. They're interested in that? Yeah, I don't know. This, this yeah. was, I didn't. I do wash it uh, right every day. Every day. So shampoo and conditioner every day. No. Oh, just don't use it. shampoo and conditioner. That's Ever. What, that's yeah. no. Right, maybe that's what it was. Right. That's yeah. why it's not grey and it's still there. Yeah. All my yeah. brothers are grey and it's right. all fallen out. Too much You're through that yeah. school of thought of not just letting it do its own thing. Yeah, and just, just washing it. You just with wash water. it with water. water yeah. yeah. Water's yeah. good enough. Yeah. That's yeah. my theory. That's what I've done. I've still got it. Oh, well, it's in good. It's I, in good. News. I don't know if it's I could get that, that sort of mullet going. That no, is I, I do the same thing. Me and shampoo and conditioner aren't good friends. So yeah. uh, I do the, I don't. Well, it's detergent, all. isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, God didn't make you to tip detergent on your head every day. So I read back in the 80s as well, you guys won a lifetime supply of beer. Yes, is theoretically. Still, is that still going? Or? Well, here's the thing the lifetime supply 
We are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) It stopped back in 1995, I think. Which company offered it? Two E's. Right. He said, if you win the fourth slipper, they rang us. You win the fourth slipper in a row, you got a lifetime supply of beer. And we said, wacko, what does that mean? (laughs) He said, you'll never have to worry about buying beer again. Said, okay. So when that they had a big semi-trailer loaded with pallets of beer parked in the middle of the track at at um, Rose Hill because they were sponsoring the race, and uh, after it they pictured us all standing on top of this this, <laughs> this <laughs> huge semi-trailer of beer, and it did come for a month or three, and then it stopped. And we rang up and said, "Where's our beer?" Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. You know, and it started again, and then it stopped. And this just went on and on and on until we just gave up, right. basically. So that, yeah. yeah, couldn't be bothered chasing it anymore. Anyway, it was we were getting so much beer, not, we, not even we could drink it. Yeah. So we were sending it down to a bottle shop good, and trading it for red wine. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they liked that. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not in the spirit of the game. No, apparently not. Um, so, I mean, we could talk forever about the, that period, but let, why don't we focus on... You just mentioned the Golden Slipper. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But the two Melbourne Cup wins, so terrific. Yes, that was that was a Ra- Raymond Shane die. <laughs> yes, his uh, first Melbourne Cup. win? Yes, it was, yep. and we were a bit in shock. We had two runners in the race. Would you believe Super? the great superimposed yeah. ran mm. second in the yep. Melbourne Cup and fourth in a Melbourne Cup after yep. that? What a horse! Yeah, I mean, you boys know how good superimposed was. You probably yeah. nah. I, I, yeah, remember, you remember, I, I remember the name from I think youth. Superimposed sadly passed before these two were born. Yeah, you know? probably. So, yeah, yeah. The, the other thing I've seen of Superimposed is on the wall at the Doncaster when, yeah, it, when yeah. it won. As yeah. it should be. Darren Flindell the, was the last guest. He'd be all over Super. He yeah. would have loved it. One of the greatest, well, to, to us, he was the most important horse we ever trained because mm-hmm. he put our name on the map. He he just, you know, he won four, four of the great right? miles. Yeah. Um, he won a Cox Plate. Um, you know, he, w- he won a whole stack of other races and he was just the most fantastic horse. And to run second in a Melbourne Cup and then fourth in a Melbourne Cup, and arguably the, the one he ran fourth in, he should have won. Mm-hmm. I think Let's Alope bowled right. him over on the corner and just gave him a bit of a straighten up on the corner. He still ran on and ran fourth. Great horse. Mm. And so terrific. Did terrific come from New Zealand? Yeah, he was born in New Zealand. Uh, no, he was... Yes, he was. He was bought by his owners in New Zealand. There was a, when some New Zealand owners stayed in him and he came out here. His biggest win before that, I think, was a South Australian St. Ledger. Yep. So in those days, that sort of horse in a proper handicap could win. Yeah. I don't think it can happen now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. And then the Sub-Zero. Yeah, well. Was that two years later, Subby? Uh, he was 1992. So three years, yeah. Yeah. He, Who uh, rode Subby? Should, oh, Damien? Da, no, Greg, Greg Hall. Hall. Greg Hall, right, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Hall's on the den. No, that's embarrassing that yeah. I said that, yeah. I, um, I saw you won the um, Sub-Zero Handicap during Cup yeah. Week. That, that would have been a good moment. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was yeah. Greys, right? Yeah. Yeah. All Greys. All Grey yeah. race, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it was, it, was, it was really nice to win that race because we, all the brothers have a particular love for that horse. And not just because of what he did for us, but for what he did after it. He was clerk of the course at yeah. Flemington for yeah. years. yeah. And then when he could no longer be that, he started going to schools and nursing homes yep. and hospices and he's just a phenomenal animal yep. right till his end. And he lasted until he was, about. what, 31 or two or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I was, was going to ask about that. What do you think about, you know, those horses being celebrated and, and being a medium between, you know, racing and, and the community as well? Do, do you think that more of that needs to happen these days? Well, y- yeah, I do. I nominated Sub-Zero twice for Australian of the Year and that, <laughs> they, they 
the first year they said, well, you can't, you can't <laughs> be Australian of the year because <laughs> he's not. He's, I said, why? They said, because he's a horse. I said, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, it's Australia. I mean, we would happily have an Australian of the year as a horse instead of some, you know, wealthy, spoiled athlete mm. or, you know, someone we've never heard of. Mm. Everyone knew Sub Zero. Mm. So I, I thought it was rather unfair. Yeah. But there you are. And then you went back again and said... And I had another go. And I said, uh... again. I said, yeah. I said, you've had a year to consider it. Surely you're in the agreement. They went, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how that, that rolled. But you know, I do think that, that those, our great champions being celebrated... I, I, I look on Twitter and, you know, what are the great, what's the greatest horse you've ever seen? Twitter's getting younger because mm. the horses are all yeah. from the 2000s now. And mm. there's, just occasionally you'll see one that harks back into the 90s or even the 80s, mm. 70s. But um, they were much tougher horses in those days. They were really tough horses. Yeah. And uh, so uh, you can choose not to answer this question, but is Winx better than Farlap? Oh, here we oh, go. Here I we go know. again. I think it's really hard because, you know, you, you, you put Farlap under the, you know, the way we train horses now with all the veterinary care that we can give horses now. You put him under that regime, who, who knows how good he would have been. He, he might have been just as good as her, maybe better. Who knows? It's, it's just really hard to, hard to say. I, I hate comparing horses of different eras because each era changes mm. what's required and what's demanded and the tracks change and the style of racing changes and the weight scale changes. And It's very hard to compare. Mm. Do you want to have an interest in answering who's the best horse in Australia at the moment? The reason I ask these questions is just because they stoke a lot of debate, which is good. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I suppose. I mean, it's. it's, it's only I, I two suppose. Really. Look, all round Australian horse in, in Australia. Yeah, the, who's yeah. The, the Animo? I think. So or, you'd or, have Animo or, ahead of Nature, Nature Strip. Strip and Animo can't uh, split them. Animo's more versatile. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Nature Strip's pretty one-dimensional, but the world's greatest sprinter at the moment. Mm. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Did and you wake up to watch him in Ascot win? Uh, I, did, I didn't even wake up to watch Miss Andretti win. Wow. So, so <laughs> I, looked on, I looked online the next morning and thought, oh, yeah, rang them. Oh, good on you. I was in Australia. <laughs> but you've been to Ascot a few times, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good yeah. time, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great racetrack. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a really good race meeting. Yeah. But, you know, if you're on holidays, which I would be if I was at Ascot, um, I think... You know, if you get away, if you're in a racing game and you're training, you get on holidays, the last thing you should do is go to race meetings. Yeah. You should yeah. Get a, have a holiday from that. Yeah. Which I did. Kings would disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just went to Japan just for yeah. Japan Cup. 48 for hours. 48 hours just to go to the racetrack and... Really? They yeah. flew 48 hours and they yeah, flew, left on Saturday night, went straight to the track and then just partied for 48 hours, got on a plane, came home. So on the Japan Cup, you've won a Japan Cup, right? No, I ran second. Was that naturalism? Yeah, Ran got, second. Beaten my, my a, got beaten a length, I think. Or were, you, did you, were you in Japan for it? I strapped him over there. Wow. I took him over there in, in uh, the, you know, the flight over was horrendous. It was 26 hours. It's only a nine-hour flight to uh, Tokyo. But <laughs> Go the wrong they, way. Well, they, took, they take – horses are just treated like cargo. Yeah. And we loaded him in the plane and we went from uh, Melbourne to Hong Kong, sat for hours on the ground in Hong Kong. Went to Taipei, sat for hours there while they unloaded and offloaded uh, freight, and then went to Tokyo. He was on. And you're, you're on the plane the whole time. Yeah, and he was on the plane the whole time, standing still for 26 hours. Wow. It's not a good thing for a horse. And but is it a normal plane, or did you, were you able to sleep um, and stuff? It's a, like, it's a cargo freighter. You right, know, so you could there's a little bed for you and stuff. It's not your normal. Upstairs, they have uh, you know, on the bubble on a 747, mm. 
Um, they have some old first-class seats which people, you know, there's a vet on there, there's a few strappers with the horses. So yeah, but do you get some sleep or you have a light? Oh, yeah, but you've, you've got to have an oxygen bottle next to you and you've got to go down and check the horses and the horses get upset when it gets, you know, the plane starts to do yeah. this. So you're up and down, up and down most of the most of the time, which was most of the day and most of the night. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty hard on the horses. Is it better these days, the way they transport them? I don't know. I haven't done a lot of it recently, but um, I don't think so. I think it's pretty much the same. Uh, the only horses that really travel and now go to Europe, and that's a pretty standard freight route, whereas Sydney, Tokyo was not. Mm. So it's, yeah. a, it's more difficult to go there. Yeah. Um, and is naturalism the best horse you've ever put a bridle over? Oh, I, he's my favourite because mm -hmm. I went through a lot of stuff with him. And um, he was a beautiful horse, not very big, but a huge heart. He only won three group ones, which is hard to do anyway. But, you know, he, he could have. If we'd have, I think not taking him to Japan that time really took it out of him. He should mm -hmm. have had six months off after that and he didn't. He won a Cox Plate, right? Uh, he should have won a Cox Plate. He fell in a Cox Plate. That's right. I'm sorry. We yeah. won the Cox Plate. I was 10 plate. years old or something when this was. We won the Cox Plate with Superimpose in the same year. But yeah. Naturalism at that time probably. And he was favourite, right? Wasn't he like Evans or something? Or? Yeah, he was short. Yeah. Uh, naturalism would have probably pulled a cart and beaten Superimpose at that stage. Yeah. So he only had to stand up, I think, to win. But, you know, a horse fell in front of him and he fell over the top of it. And, and he, was, he was a bit banged up from that too. Mm. And he still went on after that. And ran second in the Japan Cup, beating the length. This is a month or so later, right? Yeah. 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 He's a freak. He's a freaky horse. So before we move on, um, the four consecutive Golden Slippers. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, yes. So now Golden, Golden Slippers is all about breeding and trainers are very involved with the studs and trying to create stallions and stuff. Golden Slipper winning stallions and all that kind of stuff. Was that part of the game back when you won four in a row? Like, were you... Mm. It was. I mean, you trained Flying Spur, which went on to be one a, yeah. a very, very good. Dan Zero was was a good stallion as well. Yep. And the other two were fillies. Pin Muskay and Merlin. Merlin, yeah. Yeah. So. And Merlin was by Dane Hill, and that's that was one of was that one of Dane Hill's first. Dan Zero was from Dane Hill's first crop. Right. So Merlin and Dan Zero were both by Dane Hill, correct? Yeah. And Dane, no, no horse, no stallions had an impact on Australian racing like Dane Hill has, right? Uh. Hmm. Seville, not really. No, maybe before that you go back to horses like Star Kingdom. Sure. You yeah. know, you, you might have a as bigger impact. But yeah, modern Australian racing, I should modern say. Modern Australian racing, yeah. He's, look, he's definitely one of the most dominant stallions and probably and wildly and far and away the best imported stallion that's mm. ever come here. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. And how, like, so how did you guys get, say, Dan Zero, for example? Uh, we They had a sale... At Sanctuary Cove, a yearling sale, they, someone decided they are going to take on Magic Millions <laughs> who were on the Gold Coast. So they went up to Sanctuary Cove and they called it the Sale of the Sanctuary. <laughs> and they had about, I think they had about 400 horses there in makeshift stalls and it was quite well done, I must say. Was and Tony Barber there? Was that? <laughs> was Tony Barber there? You know? He should have been. He should have <laughs> been. If that would have been. He should have been the auctioneer, yeah. surely. You got, we'll get him to superimpose sale of century. You're, you're an ideas <laughs> man, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you should have had to bid like yeah, that. Yeah, bid like that. Two million. Adriana Exanides leads the horse around. That's, no, that, she's from Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Who was the... 
Oh, they had a, they had a parade of, of yeah. a bevy of beauties who yeah. yeah. doing that. Tony Oakley. Sailor Century is where you flick the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crest, the words. Yeah, yeah. the words. Yeah. You, we'll you can see it on YouTube. You know, yeah. You know, <laughs> we'll get it. Yeah, you go back to the yeah. antiquities. We'll make it. We'll make it part of this video. We'll put right. Right. now. Yeah. Part of my childhood. Sailor Century. Yeah. <laughs> Such a. I think, I, I I think it started this. in my adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, we bought four horses by Dane Hill there. We fell in love with uh, the stallion and bought four by Dane Hill. Three of them were stakes winners. How much did you spend, like roughly? Oh, I think... A few hundred grand? I think, I think maybe Dan Zero might have been 80 or 100 grand or something and like just that. just so people watching understand, so when you say you bought them, you guys, you pay, like Friedman FBI buys them? Yeah. And then you've got a certain amount of time to pay Sailor the Sanctuary, yeah? Is it it's quite a long time, usually that, with that sale houses. Right? That's, like how, that's how it works. That's what yeah. trainers call specking horses. Yeah, so you put your hand up and then, and then yeah. you've you got buy a them and months. then you, you subdivide them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except the difference between uh, property developers who buy land and subdivide it is they make money out of it. <laughs> 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 Somehow the trainers have worked out a way not to make money out yeah. of that, which yeah. trainers, we'll get onto this later, but trainers do run by and large. The worst business model you could ever imagine putting together. If, if, you, if you gave, you put a room of scientists together to devise the worst possible business plan, that's what we've come up with. Right. Yeah. That's a great advertisement. Yeah. 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 We fund everybody, we take risks we shouldn't take financially. You have no life, you have no social you have no life. No life, no social life. We work ridiculous hours, brutal hours, and most trainers are eating the paint off the wall. So, mm. you know, that's. That's where it's at at the moment. <laughs> Welcome to training. Yeah. But anyway, we bought these four horses. Three and, of them were group. Sorry, and so Dane Hill was, was, didn't, wasn't particularly Hadn't big had a trap. Yeah, right, new, sweet. First, yeah. oldest were yeah. yearlings. Yeah. One, all four of them were metro class. Three of them were stakes winners. Two of them were group winners. And one of them was Dan Zero, won the golden slipper. So that was a pretty – we've never found a stallion we liked as much since. Yeah. <laughs> and did you hold on to any part of Dan Zero or did it, was it completely uh, – Well, we ended up with, with – Breeding rights and things like yeah. that. You know, and so. who, what stud bought Dan Zero? Uh, he stood at Arrowfield. Yep. And yep. so did Flying Spur. Yep. And um, so you must, yeah. you've had a lot to do with John Massaro over the years, I'd imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we've been long-time friends, and 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 uh, you know he's been a, you know a supporter of the stable for as long as as long as we've been training. Yeah. Serious winners. Yeah. He yeah. was. Um. He helped me. So we got a minimum bet limit in about. Seven or eight years ago, so bookies had to bet punters, which you helped. You had a little. You helped me a little bit in the sense that you gave me some advice on what I was doing. Not so much to get it through, but just how I was handling myself in the media. But John Massara was great. I didn't know him at all, and someone said, "Oh, do you want me to put you in touch with John Massara?" I was like, "Sure." And I went. Went. He had me in his office. I went to his office. He's like, "Yeah, I don't think it's, it doesn't sound fair. You guys deserve a better deal." So then he put me in touch with Australian Racing Board, and that sort of got things going. That just sort of escalated the argument up the chain, and people were like, "Yeah." Punters need to be looked after better. So of course, punters, yeah. punters are, uh, you know, the lifeblood of, of racing. Um, the interesting thing, to, sorry to interrupt you, but there's a lot of, you probably see this, a lot of animosity goes towards the breeding fraternity from punters. They think that breeders don't put enough in, but it's ironic that John Massara had actually quite a lot to do with getting a minimum bet limit in for punters. Yeah. Uh, John, John could always take the broader view. He could always see the greater good. Mm. Apart from, you know, I'm, I'm sure his, his own self-interest was, was always, you know, forefront, but, but he could also see the greater good. Yeah. And, um, you know, that he's, he, he's been great for racing. And, and that is only one of the things that he's done. 
Matty played against Paul Massara, 1996, Sydney oh, High, first yes. 15 versus St Ignatius. He's a good footballer, that bloke, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. He, so we were the favourites. This is Sydney High was the favourite, first 15 to win the comp that year. My dad went there. Sydney yeah. High? Yeah. How good, yeah. how good. Anyway, everyone thought we'd win the game. It was at St Ignatius and like Paul Massara was man of the match, right? Just scored, scored three, I think. Ran over everyone. You, you don't, I don't know him, but you yeah. know him. Yeah, know he, him well. He, yeah. he, uh, he was human. a good footy player. Yeah, he's probably bigger now than he was then I, I, too. I'd assume yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, no offence, mate. I'm going to try <laughs> You know it's true. He could run a bit. Yeah. <laughs> he, I'd love to get him and his dad in for a pod. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, that would. That'd yeah. be interesting. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll work on it. Do that. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so finishing off four golden slippers, um, then we kind of we roll along. So when did you actually leave FBI? About 2000. Sort of, I don't know, sort of done everything, won every big race multiple yep. times and I don't know, I just, I just sort of, and it's tough working with your brothers and yeah. that. And we then all, I think by then we'd all got married, we all had our own families, there are different pressures and I just thought, no, it's time, you know, I, I got an opportunity to do some breakfast radio up here on, yep. on 2KY. So I thought, ah, oh, I'll have a crack at that. You yep. can always go back to training. Were you tired of training then, would you say? I, I, just just a little bit. I think it was just, you know, because we had so much success in yeah. a short period of time. Just didn't see that there was – it was just doing the same thing over and over again then. Mm. And did, did those not pry too much into your personal business, but did, that, did those years set you guys up? Like did you actually yeah. make enough money to sort of make life easier going forward? Was it um, – Yeah. It was, it was not as lucrative then as it is now. If, yeah. you, if we were winning all those races now, yeah. we'd, you know, mm. some of those... Like if you won a big race, a trainer might get enough out of it in the 90s to uh, put a deposit down on a nice house. Now if, if you win one of these big race, races here, you can. it's not just a nice house in the suburbs. You could put a deposit down on something in the waterfront in Sydney, you know, mm. so... Mm. It's 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 a bit more lucrative now, but you know, for the time it was good, and, mm. and um, yeah, we all end up with nice houses and children in private schools mm. and all those things, which which you know, they're very expensive, and a lot of mm. people aren't lucky enough to be able to do that. Yeah. So yeah. we're yeah. very thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we move into to the media, and so you start. You got a gig doing the breakfast show, did you with with Two KY? Is that right? Yeah, up in Sydney. Yeah, it's right. Sky Sports Radio. Is, so instead of getting up at three o'clock in the morning, you only have to get up at four a.m. Is that right? <laughs> well, yeah. Someone said, "What do you do that for?" Years. It's just it's the same thing you've been complaining about for years. And, yeah. and yes, I did it for seven years, breakfast radio. But I had a lot of fun. It was with Terry Kennedy. Yeah, and he's, for, for, he's, with first with Greg Radley. Yep. Then with TK. And is uh, he one of the worst judges you've ever seen? Because remember that time, he's like cooler. He, he just loved, but it was week after week up. He just yeah. could not tip a winner. Like no. he became, <laughs> he became a cult hero for no. But like you, you can't do what he did. Like week in, week in, he would tip a two, two fifty, two eighty, three dollars, and he'd stop him straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, but it became a factor. Like I was being yeah. a good judge, and they were like straight away. The first thing you do when you do the form is on a Friday you listen to the big sports breakfast and yep. whatever TB's, yep. um, TB's tipping, TK's tipping. What I say. Line through it. That's yep. so if you've got thirty-three or forty percent of the market out of the way. He's my great friend, and I love him dearly. You know that. You're one of the great coolers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that on TikTok. <laughs> I reckon he'd be on TikTok. Oh. Um, right. So they were great years, and then of course racing retro. 
Ah, uh, yeah. I was doing that actually before I did Breakfast Radio. I was doing it in Melbourne with Simon Marshall. Yeah. And because um, I used to do that on a Sunday morning. Yep. You know, go to the stables and then go and do this show and, uh-huh. you know, and then try and get some sleep for the rest of the week. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that, that was great. And, you know, once again, Greg Radley was there, Ronnie Duffersey. I've worked Shadow. with him. Shadow. Shadow is one of the greats. Well, I love because the Shadow. Because so it was like um, – it was a really important show back then. Like I feel like I was obsessed by racing then. I was like in my early 20s and like every Sunday morning you'd be like – so hungover, had the best night ever the night before. And you're like, sweet, all I've got to do today is watch racing retro and then just chill out for yeah. the day. Yeah, so you'll find out everything you need to know. Well, yeah, well, we, and, and you and Ronnie would go at it, which was great. So, um, and Ronnie's still on there, even. He's one of the great survivors, yeah. Ronnie. Yeah. I couldn't survive it, but he did yeah. and does. Yeah, and he, he just, he's just been to Perth. Has he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was. Um, he was uh, He'd be staying in a very expensive hotel. Crown and, Towers probably. Hey, he loves all that. Yeah. He loves that. <laughs> He loves staying in a good hotel. Uh, he loves uh, one of his great things to do is to go to Portofino yep. in Italy, yep. and you know, go down to the beach in his robe. Yeah, but uh, I've noticed like he was he, he would put ones of his with nothing like just his board shorts, and then like and he's put them up on Twitter. But I noticed in the last couple of years he's pulled back from that. He just he, yeah, has he's become his, a little bit more self conscious than he is. <laughs> <Yeah. used to laughs> but we're all, we're all getting old, aren't we? Um, uh, yeah. Quick question: Amelia's jewel. So he was at. He was there for the the Northerly Stakes, and he yeah. was complimenting the the staff who were were running the meeting for Sky Race, and then they they do a great job. Um, but just quickly, on Amelia's Jewel, do you have you been watching her? Do you? Uh, I'm aware of her performances. Uh, it's, yeah. it's quite extraordinary for for a filly to do that, and she's yeah. um, you know she's. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her over here competing yeah. in some big races. I, you know, I wonder how she will go against yeah. the the absolute top class. I mean, that that good class of horse she beat over there, but. Mm. You know, she's got to go up another level. Yep. If she can do it, hey, she might win another greats. So, yeah, she can't do any more than she is, right? I mean, you can't. No, oh, no. Personally, I don't think you can fault her at the moment. She's no. beating up. I know she doesn't have much weight, but she's beating up older horses at weight for age. And like, she's what, doing what it more? tough too, you know. She's yeah. taking runs and, yeah. you know, she's obviously very talented. But Saturday was just the big thing because he just pulled her out and then said, hit the button and then she just goes bang. And that's yeah. what you need if you're going to be yeah. like. 100%. Yeah. you got to have that turn of foot. Yeah. And she's got it. Yeah. So... You know, bring her on. She's a, she's a big favourite in the den. Everyone's been oh. backing her every start. Everyone loves the jewel. <laughs> <laughs> loves the jewel. You see, this is this is the difference you see between punters and trainers, and you know, is that you'll love the jewel, and then next week you won't love the yeah, jewel. We right? money. You, you get you get to pick and choose. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's, it's a difference in the commitment between. I call when I say. Don't get me wrong. I think punters are hugely – and I know they're hugely important mm. to the game. We've got to look after them and, and we're all in the game together. But their commitment is race to race. Mm. If you're a trainer, strapper, jockey and to a large degree owner, your commitment – you can't just you commit, uncommit, commit, uncommit. You know, I'm not betting today. You've got to turn up and play every yeah. day they're on. Yeah. You know, it's just – and, and that's right. When we when a horse we back a horse and it runs last, we never think about it again. Yeah. When you train a horse and it runs last and it was favoured or whatnot, and everyone wants to talk to you before the race. I've got seventeen phone calls to make, or yeah. you know, yeah. about and then you got to put it in the float and drive back, the, and the, you know, figure out what I'm going to do with this. You know, the so. podcast idea that Mitch Beer wants to do, I think, is a great one. Is he wants me to go to Randwick on a Saturday, meet him at the end of the day's racing after a highway when one of his horses have run ninth, and he's got to drive all the way back to Albury <laughs> after running ninth in a highway yet again. 
and he's like, I'm going to be great. What and makes him think people want to see that? <laughs> okay, okay. We're going to do it. It'll be our best ever podcast. We're going to stop at like okay. Maroul and KFC. It's going to go off and we're going to have like carpool karaoke along the way. But it, It's a one-off, I'd would, would you come? If, to make it really not a, not a chance. Really? No, no, I'm not sitting in the car after Mitch has trained something that's run ninth on a highway <laughs> and doing a road trip down to Albury. Uh, as much as I love you and Mitch. <laughs> not at me. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Not going to happen. Just um, um, just on exciting horses, you guys have got Pavitra. Um, what's the plan moving forward? That was pretty good prep. She had her first trot and canter this morning at Rose Hill this morning. Um, it, it, she, yeah, she had a, a month off. Look, she's been a bit of a revelation. She, big, plain, you know, angular uh, filly, but with a beautiful stride and a beautiful nature and she just kept going and going and going. And I don't know, if, if, we, if we made... If we made the, and this is all in hindsight, no one's that, and it's not no criticism of Jamie Carr wrote it in the the Oaks. I thought she wrote it beautifully, but if we'd have gone the more Laschetti spirit yep. type thing Brand and put color. put a bit more pressure on earlier, yeah. which is hard to do when you're second favourite. It's yep. hard to have those sort of tactics because when they come off, you're a genius. When they don't, everyone just says you're an idiot. Mm. Um, we might have been able to drag out she's extreme just make her make an 800 meter run at the end of 2500 meters might have been enough to hold her off but you know they're the things you agonize over for the probably the rest of your life <laughs> well, having said that it was a pretty good prep wasn't it like great you know, prep. couple yeah. couple yeah. of placings in, in yeah she can, look, she should be able to improve more than anything in the race because she she won a first first race as a three-year-old filly officially but she's only two over 1800 mm. meters mm. and she will be a, a genuine stayer and um, I think she can improve more than most horses in in that field. So will she stay against her own sex? This yeah, time? yeah. She'll just yeah. head towards the, the Oaks up yeah. here. Yeah. And we'll see if we can get there. Yeah, awesome. Um, and so finishing off your sort of professional career, and then we'll move into some questions, a lot of questions. Um, you were you worked at the AJC before mm. the ATC. And um, so what was, your, what was your role there? You were sort of... Executive of, Director of Racing, yeah. I believe. And how, how was that? Did, you, did you have cards? For I that? did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Um, was that? Yeah, how was that? How, how long did you do that for? Eleven months. Right, so it wasn't. And nineteen days. Yeah, <laughs> but, but who's counting? Yeah. So is, yeah, so it did, just didn't really work. Was that, is that? No, no, it wasn't really. I, I thought it. I thought it was a good idea at the time, um, but it, as it turns out, I'm probably not cut out for the administrative life. I'm not happy, I'm not comfortable with intransigence and obfuscation, yep. which I think are two essential qualities to be yeah. a successful administrator. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to get things done, but the wheels turned too slowly for me. Yeah. I did have a couple of hard tasks to do. The trainers didn't like it much, but... Yeah. And because when racing, I got there... Racing was struggling when you were in that. There oh, was yeah. nothing going on. Like, no. Yeah. Well, it was, it was... Is this sort of mid-2000s? Is that... Uh, 2007, 2008, yeah. around yeah. then. Um, yeah, look, there were, there were a whole lot of things that, that needed to be done. When I got there, I, I said, I, I need to be familiar with all the trainers' uh, leases and licences on the courses, the two courses, Randwick and Warwick Farm. Of course, they didn't exist. The trainers had no... None of the trainers, including Bart and Gay and everybody, none of the trainers had any official uh, legal relationship with the club. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. it was just, 
it was an untenable situation and I had to get everyone signed up to new licenses. Well, that was yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, and then yeah. You, you have personal relationships with them from the past. Yeah, it's yeah. It's more challenging. You can't yeah, yeah, yeah. go in they, there. They, and, yeah. Anyway, they, they, I've sort of healed the rift with you know, 90% of them now. But, but in those yeah, the days... The 10% have passed away. So. Well, they're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you had the run of four golden slippers with... FBI, yeah, but then you've actually won a golden slipper since. Yeah, yeah, stay inside. So yeah. I want to. There's a story which is an extraordinary story if it's true. So cognac, right? The people pretty close in and around the den are owners. Yeah, ownership group of cognac. Yes. So cognac's one of my favourites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and and he won a Dubbo Cup. Is that what he won? Uh, he won the Bathurst Cup. The Bathurst Cup, yeah, right? Time honoured. So this, this, <laughs> time time honored. so this is going somewhere, right? So we. I've heard a story. I don't know if you're actually at the lunch or not. So the boys go out and they say, we want to find a good horse to win the Melbourne Cup. Were you at this lunch? No, I don't think I was. Okay, cool. So they say, so one, is, one of the Friedman brothers were at the lunch, right? Yeah. And then they say, we want a good horse from um, Europe, UK to win the Melbourne Cup. We're ready to spend. Let's do it. Then someone within the Friedman organisation comes back and says, yeah, sweet, we can look into it. But what about, why don't you take a share in this two-year-old, right? And anyway, long story short, the boys got offered a, I don't know, much share as they want in Stay Inside, which went on to win a Golden Slipper. They said, no, go and spend money. We in want Europe. cognac. We want cognac. <laughs> so they got cognac, brushed Stay Inside. The, the time honoured Bathurst Cup. And, stay in, and, and, and cognac won. And I think, I think, I think like maybe seven figures might have been what was paid for cognac. I don't, I don't know. A well, lot. A lot. For cognac, it was a lot. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Um, it won the Bathurst Cup and Stay Inside won the... <laughs> so that, that's, that's got to be up well, with the Well, Stay Inside, funnily enough, of that year, and we specced quite a number of horses, he was the last horse that we sold shares in to fill, mm. fill up that horse. He was the last one. So so that story would be true. No, right? it could be true. It could yeah. well be true, that, because yeah. I've got a, a friend who's... I don't think he would mind me saying this, Andrew Hall Lacey, who runs Channel 7's... TV coverage. Related to Rick, or that must be his son or something. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's Rick's nephew. Yep. His father's Dyson, who's part owner of Forbidden Love. Oh, right. So, anyway, I've known the family for a long time. Great people. And uh, he, he and I owned a, a, a two-year-old together, which we were going to trade to Hong Kong. And we had him sold to Hong Kong. And Andrew said, oh, well, that's, that's good. He said, I'll get my share out of that horse and I'll put it in that, that uh, extreme choice cult that you've got, yeah. right? Anyway, the sale fell through right? and it took us another six or eight weeks to sell that that horse by that time we sold all the shares in stay inside he would have had a 20 percent chunk of the horse oh, <laughs> and is he, is it he never left gone to stud stay inside yes he has who picked him up uh newgate yeah nice henry yeah. field yeah, yeah, yeah newgate cool. uh standing him and yeah. he served his first season this year so Looking forward to seeing his stock. We knew Henry Field way back in the day when we were on the circuit. Do you remember Henry? When we used to all go out 20 years ago and he was up and coming on the eastern suburb social Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my memories are quite uh, yeah. clouded. Yeah. The, I can imagine. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a good guy. He's, he's, one he is. Of the, he's, he's great. He's one of the best best talkers I've ever come across. Uh, look, he's a he's a force of nature, yeah. Henry. Yeah. And uh, you've got to admire what he's achieved. Yeah. Absolutely. And he'll achieve and more. He's, and he's, yeah, he's, he's only yeah. just getting going, isn't he? Yeah. All right, so we're ready for um, questions. Um, so... Um, I saw some of these on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you prepped yourself. Uh, you? You <laughs> go. Any good ones? Any curly ones? Uh, you ready? I didn't think there was anything there I couldn't 
Couldn't handle. Everyone's very. They were very complimentary. Very nice. Very nice. It's amazing. It's almost like I'd blocked all the ones. Yeah. There was one person who asked a question, then said, "And can you unblock me now?" Yeah. But you wouldn't have seen it because no, because he's blocked. I might jump in quickly. I've got a quick one from a. D. Cobby of South Melbourne. Ah, oh, yes. Um, he said... It's a familiar name. <laughs> who, who eats the most pies out of the trainer's oven at the races on a Saturday? Uh, Anthony Cummings. Anthony Cummings. Right. <laughs> and then me. And then you. <laughs> <laughs> You're a second. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Uh, all right, Alex Donnelly. Why hasn't Racing New South Wales invested in a full-on training centre like Cranbourne and why no synthetic racetracks yet, given... All the washouts we have each season, and get tacked on another question: Should should midways be run on Wednesdays? They're all good questions, those. Um, mm. Why they haven't built a, a training centre? I don't know. You'll have to ask PVL. PVL. Yeah. Um, he certainly said to me that he's going to do it. Yep. And I, I still believe he's going to do it. Yep. Um, it's taking a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, do you chat with But I'm holding the faith that yeah. that will happen. It has to happen. I mean, the the system we're running at racetracks. Training at racetracks, it, in my opinion, it is the worst uh, way to train horses. Mm-hmm. In little tight turning tracks inside racetracks, um, n- not a not the best way to train them. Not the best circumstances to keep horses in locked up in boxes in the city. Um, they're a herd animal; they need space. We could have all of that if we had a proper off-course training setup. I don't think we can replicate Newmarket. It's 400 years old so or something. So you're talking about Newmarket in the UK? Yeah. And they have those incredibly long Yeah, big gallops and, you yeah. know, that, that took 400 years to develop yeah. that. But we can certainly replicate what they have in Japan yeah. where they train them on uh, purpose-built training centres out of the town. They might yeah. have two, 3,000 horses yeah. at the one training centre. That Once you're out of town, the trainers can then get themselves a small property close by where they can run horses out there, put them in a paddock for a day and so many... Mm. It broadens out what you can do. And the road it. system in Sydney is pretty good now. There's, there's a lot of you, good roads. You could be up as far yeah. north as Wyong or further and still be at Randwick in an hour and a half. Mm. You could be as far south as, well, a couple of trainers have already started this process. I think they got tired of waiting for the off-course mm. training thing and they're going to do their own. And uh, I think Karen and uh, Chris Waller and Karen Ma are building down at Berry on mm. the south coast. Beautiful, yeah. Beautiful spot yep. near the Seven Mile Beach. Um about an hour and a half, two hours from Sydney. Properties around there might be a little bit expensive, though. That's if for most trainers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for most trainers. But they were looking at a property in on the Southern Highlands, um, which you know would have had the capacity to actually lease or sell land to trainers within the the precinct. There was that much land. It had, hasn't happened, but I'm hopeful that it will happen because, for the horses' sake. And for the trainer's sake, and to get staff, yeah, like all trainers are winch about. You just can't get staff. Mm. Is it any surprise that young people who basically take strapping jobs in stables don't want to get up in the middle of the night mm. to work a split shift, mm. to work six and seven days a week for what is all we as much as we can afford to pay them, but is not the top way. end of the yeah. the scale, you know closer to the other end. It's a wonder we can't get staff, you know, yeah. but there are trainers out there who just want to bury their head in the sand and say, oh, you know, you know, things will change. Well, they won't. Yes, they will change. They'll get worse. Yeah. That's how they'll go. They'll get worse. Hmm. So, you know, if you had an off-course situation, suddenly wherever they are, if they're out of town, rents are cheaper for the staff. 
Um, they can put more in their pocket. They can start in the daylight and work yep. most of the day. You know, have race meetings coming on, you know. And so there's no real reason for starting at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? I heard that it was because there used to be traffic on the roads and, like, so they'd, like, gay when or Tommy Smith's stables in Randwick, they'd, you know, they'd be on near Anzac Parade or whatever. Okay, so to save you all this time, right? Yeah. Just go to an old trainer who doesn't want to change. They'll have a they'll have a laundry list of reasons why it's a good idea. Right, but there uh, isn't. Is there any? But it's but it, in total, it's a bad idea. Yeah, because I mean, horses race in the middle of the day. Why can't they train in the middle of the day? Well, they're probably healthy and not doing that because they sweat very heavily. Right. Probably you've got to a limit to about ten thirty in the morning on the hot days, and even though. on the hottest days, probably nine nine o'clock in the morning is fine. Yeah. Ten o'clock in the morning, get away with it. If they're not doing gallops and things like that, but you know, we we trained at Markdale for years down on the peninsula the, the, in Victoria, and the boys started when the, the sun came up. Yeah. In summertime, it comes up earlier, so you start when the sun comes up, and it's you know you're done by ten o'clock, eleven o'clock in the morning. Mm. Well, everyone done. Um, you, you know, winter time, sun gets up later, but you can work virtually all through the day because it's mm. cool. Mm. So. There's no reason for all this. You get, I hear so much garbage about, oh, you know, what about, you know, trials and, you know, all this. Do you know what? We're at Markdale. We're working all morning. Horses there. We managed to get horses to the trials. We managed to get horses to the races on time. We managed to win the premiership. Mm. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. all these, these conjured reasons why it can't happen, but it should happen. Yeah, yeah, I think it needs to, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's been going on forever. And so just very quickly, should midways be run on Wednesdays? Like I'm, I'm for my sins, I'm slated as the, the you know, it was my brainchild in midways. I'm a great supporter of the concept. I think for whatever reason, large stables have become super large, much larger mm-hmm. than we were when we were at the top of the game. They're almost three, four times the size. Yeah. And it makes it almost impossible for the small to middle-sized trainer to compete with them because they've mm. got multiple runners in every race and, you know, it, it just it, – it's a good idea. Just now that I'm not in it, I'm not eligible, which I think I'm trying to get that changed, but, <laughs> but, um, but I'm not eligible for it. Now that I see the proliferation of these midway races and provincial races, it, the midweek meetings, provincials and in, in – uh, you know, across the board. I don't know. It's, I think it's getting extended beyond what I imagined it would be. Mm. And it makes it very hard now for anyone who's not a midway trainer to actually program horses. Mm. So, you know, I, I think there's just – they've just got to tinker with that. Yep. Make sure they get the mix right. Yep. Cool. Rolling on CP Bloodstock. What's the best track in New South Wales from a catering of food? <laughs> it's a great question. I've been oh, at nearly every really? track in New South Wales. and. When you wake up in the morning, like, oh, I've got to go here today. And you, one of the things you think about, what will I eat? And then you, yeah. sometimes the places are awful. I don't go to the track anymore. I'm lucky. But it, uh, what, what's a place that you think, oh, I love going there because they've got the grouse? No, I only go to, I, I go, I go to Kembla. If, if we've got runners <laughs> in the first four races, I go to Kembla for the prawn sandwich. Right. Uh, <laughs> because the prawn sandwich, That's by good. about race four, they've run out of prawns. Yeah. Right? So you've got to be in an early race. Yeah. Get there early, have the prawn sandwich, fresh bread, Big, big, fat prawns with the cocktail sauce yep. on them. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful. It's yeah. it's a delicacy. Um, How so much are they? I don't know. What, it, whatever. They, they, I'd pay double. Yeah, yeah. they're that right. good. Uh, wow. So, 
that's the only one I go to. If you want to ask about all the race courses in New South Wales, you've got to ask Mitch Beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he <laughs> eats out them all. Yeah. What was your favourite, Richie, back in the day? What about the ham roll at Warwick Farm? It was very they were good. good. Yeah. yeah, they were great. Um, the curry at, at uh, Hawkesbury, not bad. Yeah, Hawkesbury yeah. was great. And they had the, the hot dogs. Yeah, as yeah, well. I, I don't mind a good the dog. The dollar hot dogs. Yeah. Um, mm, very good. Uh, yeah, I, I love it all. Love it all. Um, two part question. This is from Ben Wells. What's it been like seeing horse racing evolve over the years? Are we now starting to see too many Group 1s and feature races, i.e. do we just keep the Group 1 status for major, for major grand final races? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I see the argument for that. I don't think it detracts from the experience of horse racing. You've got a lot of Group, group 1 races or yeah. a, lot of, a lot of big races. I think it's all good for, for um, owners. Mm. O- owners are the... Owners are the... I know the punters have got to no, be protected and the yeah. participants, they seem incapable of, you know, protecting themselves, except for the jockeys who are very good at it. For one reason, they stick together. <laughs> you know, that if the trainers st- stuck together, they would run racing, but they can never stick together. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that owners are the, the participant group sure. that are under so the most pressure. So important. If, I, I, and you'll have nothing to bet on if they can't afford to race I horses. I, I look at the races yeah. and just say, who's paying for these horses? Like, yeah. where do they all come from? It's we're a small country and we're just so much racing every day. Like, who pays for them all? It's just you know, you'll, you've got to be careful of the stats you get told to. You get told there's more owners now than there's ever been. Yeah. But look at the size of share they own in yeah. the mm-hmm. horse. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there are more owners, but they're – they're all the way down to micro owners, good, you know, right? micro share. It, it's good, but, you know, you, you have a thousand owners in one horse. Yeah. Mm. That's one horse. Yeah. We need an X number of horses to operate mm. this industry. Yep. And if you ask the trainers, they'll tell you that the bigger owners are owning more horses mm-hmm. and the smaller owners are owning small parts of horses mm. and therefore less horses. There are less horses in that pool. And that mix has been changing and is continuing to change and it's getting more and more like, you know, the pyramid's getting narrower at the base and higher at the top, you know, mm. it's all being squeezed in. That's not a good thing for racing. Mm. It's not good because you end up like the equestrian industry, which is just run in the, you know, the professional sense by large benefactors, you know. It's not the way it used to be in horse racing where everybody could own a bit of a horse and, and now they can, but it's very small. Bit. Mm. And mm. you've got owners owning hundreds of horses each. Yeah. You know, and, and they're great too. And when I'm not devaluing them. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I want as many of them as I can get in my stable. <laughs> but I don't think it's healthy for the sport at large. Okay. And I think that should be um, – I think a lot of the money that's going on the top of the sport, going on to the huge races, I think this is my opinion. I've voiced this to Peter and he doesn't necessarily agree and that's fine is that I would like to see less of the money going there to those huge races because I see that as more and more money to fewer and fewer people. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'd like to see more money distributed to the most people who can get it. And that means putting more money on races like Maidens, the Class 1s. Most people's horse never makes it past... If they win a race, they might be able to win two. They might be able to win a Maiden in a Class 1. And a lot of horses just stop there. If they could get a big chunk of their investment back out of those two races... They reinvest. Yep. Yep. You know, it'd be. I liken it to racing is is getting to be like this big lottery, mm. but the ticket costs a hundred thousand, mm. right? And you know, if you win, you win big. 
I prefer the poker machine model where it returns 85% of everything that's put sure. into it to the yeah. to the Keep, average people putter. Playing, yeah. Keeps people. Because I've, I've owned a couple of horses like shares in them. It's tough going. Like you know, yeah. Unless you get a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> that's what I have say to people. It doesn't matter what you spend on a yearling. If it's good, it'll be cheap. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's just very, very hard to get a if good If it's one. not good, you'll find it expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. doesn't matter if you yeah. spend 20000 or... or Two million. Mm. If it's good, it'll be cheap, and if it's not good, it'll be expensive. Mm. This is true. Yeah. Uh, Jim Boyle, how do you choose jockeys for rides? Uh, thankfully, I've been largely removed from that process, <laughs> um, and we we have a we have a um, we have a jockey agent yep. who is a jockey agent mm-hmm. who books our our rides for our horses, and he's across what everyone's doing. Yep. He's much better at it than we are. Yep. And um, and so, you know, we get the best jockeys we can, but I don't have to do it, so. Yeah. yeah. Do you get your say, though? Like, would you Oh, push? no, no. I, yeah. It's like, you know. Yeah. You're like, the, no, no these, that's, not, that's not happening. These are on the favoured yeah. list and these are on the blacklist at the moment. Yeah. Now, that's a, that's a moving feast, that, because they're all going from the favoured list to the blacklist <laughs> and then back to the favoured list. And You don't send out any uh, voice memos? <laughs> <laughs> <after a race? laughs> you you Learned not mo- to do that. No, okay. I know. Didn't Moose do it last week? Yeah, that was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Got it Ooh, did you hear that one? I did hear that, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I did hear that Moods said, you know, I've apologised to the jockey, but I'm not apologising to the person who released it. Yeah, that. which is yeah. fair enough, yeah. yeah. But, but, you know, Moods, is, he's a big boy. He's, he's big worked boy. in media. He knows yeah, that everything yeah. that he you... loves it. If you record anything, whether it be on paper or by voice, yeah. you've got to record it expecting that it will be distributed to other people. So all your conversations are done in person, are they? <laughs> On the phone, <laughs> WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Moody's his, his new thing? He's taking on credit card surcharges or debit card surcharges. Is he? Yeah, that's his new thing. So. That's well, true. It's, well, it's ridiculous. I hate it. It's not. It's just. I know. You, so you buy a coke and they charge you like five cents to buy the coke. It's not the five cents that you're getting robbed. No one wants to get robbed. But imagine the fill up for the banks. I know. Like, that's why they're like, they yeah. go. Oh, it's been a tough year. We've only got a four billion dollar profit. And you're yeah. Like, yeah. But doesn't annoy you when you pay for something? Like you eat a restaurant and it's like. Three hundred dollar bill, and then it's like they add on one and a half percent for your credit card thing, right? or you just yeah, you've got bigger things yeah, to worry about. Yeah, yeah. I've got to worry about having enough money to actually <laughs> yeah, go to a restaurant. Yeah. Right? So you ask punters, we go for three hundred dollar meals. Trainers, the best you get is the prawn sandwich at Kembla. Yeah, I look, some days are better than others. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the training business. Now that we're on the training business, I mean, here we are. I can tell you, there's no margin in training fees. Mm-hmm. There's no margin in training fees. If you train mm. on a racetrack, you'll be flat out charging enough to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. You have to win. If you're going to have a, you know, something at the end of the, the year, you're going to have to win it. Mm. Now, that's great for the owners and, you know, their, their trainers are very focused, but no one else would run a business like that. Mm. Nobody else on earth so would So do you even think someone like Waller, and I'm, I, I, you probably, you're only speaking anecdotally, but do you think he'd have to have a really strong control on his expenses and stuff, even with someone like him. If you, who's if you know Chris, he knows would, every detail yeah, of his business. And maybe that's why... He told yeah. me, and I I'm talking out of school here, you don't mind this, Chris. Um, <laughs> he told me when I, I said, can I just... He's got a printer in the trainer's box. I said, I just need to print something out. He said, it's two and a half cents a sheet. <laughs> so that, that's how finally... Yeah, I think he was pulling my leg. <laughs> but that's how finally... Yeah. You know, he's that's how fine the margins are, even for him. Yeah, he has to know every cent yep. that's spent on yep. those horses. Yep. And if you go to put your fees up, all our expenses have gone up in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, our salaries, I think, in racing 
certainly in the city, would have gone up 20%. Mm. Right? Um, our feed would have gone up mm. 10. Our rent's gone up, I don't know, I've forgotten, maybe 8 or 10 or something like that. Mm. If you go to put your fees up 10%, there are people who will, who will literally ring you and, and, yeah. and give you a pull through for doing it. And you know, some of them that in the past have been people who are, who are making a fortune out of other parts of the thoroughbred racing industry. We won't go into it, but, <laughs> you know, I thought they were, it was a bit rich coming from them. But, mm. but um, you know, it's, trainers do not charge enough. In this country, owners will be horrified because the bills are high anyway. Yeah. But because we run this ridiculous system at racetracks where everything has to be jammed into a four-hour window in the morning, it's the most expensive way to do it. Mm. The Awana peg training fees get the horses out of racetracks onto, onto purpose-built training centres where the cost can be controlled more. And, you know, falls on deaf ears. Um, MMA Field Smith, do you think any idea what this question will be? No, I but I know him. a friend of yours, yeah. yeah. Ask him about his nickname, hashtag George. <laughs> no idea what that means. Is that George Costanza or something? Yes. Her husband, Noel, uh, when I was training out at Hawkesbury, used to call me George. Right, because uh, you look like George Costanza? Or? Uh, no, because he thought I could whinge like George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from him, <laughs> that was very much, you know, pot and kettle. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Are you a Seinfeld fan? I love Seinfeld. Greatest comedy ever? You don't like oh, it? No, I do think I think it's one of the greatest sitcoms ever. Yeah. And I'm also a big fan of Veep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Julie Lewis Drivers. Yeah. You know, I'm watching the replays now. Yeah, you guys fans, Seinfeld fans, ever love yeah. Seinfeld? That, that is my life as a trainer. This right. is a sad bit. Train racehorses, watch replays of a 10-year-old <laughs> sitcom. Yeah. 10-year-old <laughs> sitcom? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Not, how old? 15-year-old? Yeah, yeah. 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 you're right there. We have the couch here. You don't want to do a George Costanza? You know, to do the pose. Yeah. I think it's the one up with you. At the end, we should do it. That's what Beery's doing. He's been... On all fours. Oh, is he? He's trying to pose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Gavin McCauley says, ask him, has he ever been a big punter? We sort of talked about that. But are you, do you punt much these days or would you care I, not to I do answer? punt, but I, I figure there's only two ways to make money on the punt. I may be wrong. But um, you either turn over a lot of money on a lot of races to, to make a small margin on each race if you can, or you bet with inside knowledge. Yep. Now, that, that's kind of my angle. I'm yep. about to do what you guys do. Mm. Um, so I like to just bet on my own horses when I think their value, which will be it, I don't bet on anything under $5, yep. you know, and usually I wait till I find something that's $20 that I think can win, mm. then I'll have a decent bet and, you know, I've been going all right at it that way, but I think that's the... So, you know, one of the features of the den is that you can put copy bets up, so next time if you wanted to when you've got one of these $20 chances that you're right. loading up on, just throw it up on the den, yeah. I'm sure everyone will appreciate that. Yeah. So. Before, even before yeah. you back it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'll think about that. Yeah. <laughs> he learned from his dad he's not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Juan Diva is in on the weekend, I think I saw. Yes, she's entered. Should we be uh, betting up? Yeah. Should the den be betting up? Can we get a tip for the fans? Um, well, I, I think she'll run very well. It's Eagle Farm this week. She does like it there. She's won a group three there. She's got a Still got to draw a gate there. The track will be firm. Doesn't matter how much rain they have up there. It'll be firm at Eagle Farm. And and uh, my my expert man in Queensland who looks after her when she's up there, the great BJ Smith, Brian yeah. Smith, yeah. who is a champion. 
And he said, yeah, boy, she worked this morning. Oh, it was beautiful. So <laughs> okay. that'll do me. Awesome. Is there, I know you with the Dead Set Legends, you do a tip sometimes with that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I try you, not to. I know, you, I feel like you are because I listen yeah. to you. I feel like you are hesitant to, to give I, any information. I so it's like tips. Is that because the pressure to be wrong and people can't fuck, what are there's, you talking about? There's, you know? there's, no, there's absolutely no win. It's a no-win situation yeah. for trainers to give tips because yeah. you, you tip the boys a winner, they go, oh, yeah, beauty. They're, you know, that's like it's gone, right? Yeah, as yeah. soon as they've collected their money, they can't remember they've had the bet. If, you, if it loses... It goes on for years. Remember that <laughs> dud tip you gave me and all that? It's just it's a no win. I just don't do try, it. They try to draw it out. You give us something, and then you know, if yeah. you, you you train something that won, they're like, you didn't tip it. You didn't. Give <laughs> it. I know. I know. Everything that does it, that you, you know, you should have tipped every winner you ever trained. <laughs> you know? so I back twelve. I back twelve winners a year. I have about twenty bets a year. You know, wow, that's, that's a good strike rate. Look, great strike rate. Um, if I can put, keep put it them on the den, please. <laughs> <laughs> we need, we need so that. Week, this is a question sort of talking about what we're talking about. Weekend Warrior, how much, in brackets, if any, weight should punters give to stable male? Well, I like to think I know when they can win. I can't tell you with certainty ever that this will win. It's only got, you know, I think there's been three horses in my lifetime I could do that. The Scalacci was one of them. Yeah. You know, he went up to a kind maiden and... Uh, for his first start and, you know, he started six to four on or something and, you know, this just has to – it can only get beaten if it falls over. Free, so it's free money? Do you, ever, do you ever say free money? We like saying free money in the den. Was it free yeah, money? Yeah, it was free money. But, <laughs> but little did I know is that some, there was a horse called Mavorne in the race. It ended up a group two winner and it wow. was in the same maiden and run, sec, ran second. Yeah. Yeah. So – yeah. Could he could have just as yeah. easily be knocked off by a group yeah, two yeah, winner yeah, yeah, yeah. in a maiden at yeah, yeah, yeah. how many variables yeah. you can't control. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever talk up, like, your competition to put a bit more pressure on them and take it off yours, like the interviews pre-race? Oh, I like doing that to train other trainers. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just saying, oh, no, no, the mix horse should be favourite here. <laughs> it's, it's got all the form and, and they, you know. I don't know why trainers talk horses up before races. Yeah. Right? I don't see the value in that. Talking the horse up before the race. Oh, yeah, I think it can win and... Let the horse do the talking and talk it up after it wins, yeah. you know, mm. because then people think you, you know, you might know something. Mm. But um, I, I just, I just don't see the value in putting pressure on yourself, on the on the jockey or whoever is the, tr the the owners get all nervous about it. Better off just being circumspect about it and say, mm. look, I'm honest here. I think it's competitive. Uh, done all the right things, giving it all the good vibes, but in the end. It's got to do the job. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, um, Fitzy, one of the boys who works in here, he tipped this thing over in WA and big, big announcement on the den, you know, this thing's going to win, yada, yada. It was $2 favourite. And about five minutes before the race jumped, the trainer gets on and goes, I don't know how well it's going. I haven't really kind of thought yet. And he's gone, fuck. He's, gone straight up there. he's quickly put up a thing going, it doesn't look good, boys. <laughs> he was scrambling. Thing got beat. Yeah. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Unbelievable, this trainer just killed him. He's like, what's he done that for? Because <laughs> he would have expected it. All trainers talk him up. Yeah, I know. He uh, just absolutely came out with the truth. And um, he's like, shit. Anyway. I think there are some good some trainers that I enjoy listening to pre-race. I think Peter Moody's pretty pretty mm. straight about him. Mick Price. Mick Price Mick uh, Price, great. Yeah, yeah, he's great. They're not talking them up. They're just telling you what they know. Yep. You know I know this much. That's <laughs> all I can know. If the animal could talk, I might know more. Mm. You know? Mm. So yeah. that's where it's at. This is a good question. Um, everyone likes this debate. So, Michael Fitzy Fitzgerald, can you ask him his thoughts on the racing New South Wales and racing Victoria division 
and what needs to happen from a trainer's point of view? Oof. Big question. Oh, yeah. That's a whole show, I think. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not... A I love it. I think it's great. I think that I think racing's never been going better and I, I think that it's working. This is my opinion. You might disagree. Yeah. I think it's working. <laughs> I know, but yeah, well, I can throw my opinion in every now and then. Yeah, it's... it's um, I don't know. I, I've got sort of... Didn't the, the last spring that we just had, didn't, wasn't it good? Wasn't that amazing racing every day? Like from a punting point of view, boys, we get in here on Saturday. There's unbelievable racing in Melbourne, unbelievable racing in Sydney. Seems well divided. Everyone was great engagement. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, look, I, I, I agree with all of that. That, that is all true. Um, what Peter's achieved up here in New South Wales, I'm full, in full support of because mm-hmm. people in New South Wales, in Sydney, wider New South Wales, they wanted racing in spring. Spring is the season for racing because it fits between football and cricket. The tracks are in pretty good condition by then. The horses are in good condition by then. And there's nothing else on to compete with it. So why wouldn't Sydney people want to go racing in spring? And they did. They went to Victoria mm. to do it. But that becomes very expensive and a lot of people can't afford to do that, can't take the time. We needed to have something here for them. And Peter's filled that gap. Well done, and it's mm. and it's been a success, yep. and that's you cannot argue with it. So you know they see Peter in Victoria as a bit of an upstart who upset the apple cart. Well, you know, you can't just own a season for yourself. No. You know, no state can. Yep. You know, every state administrator has got to maximise the return for his state. That's yeah, what his job. So they had to expect that that yeah. was going to happen. I think Victorian racing is going better because of it all too. I think that they've lifted the that, bar. They've had to innovate yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and that has been a positive. But if they can now, that they've both sort of filled up that space, if now they can work together to maximise return for the whole industry, I think that would be a good thing too. Yeah. Uh, Murray Connell, and um, don't know him, but seems like a good one. I know him. A lot of Zippy. people know him. Ask him about discounts at servos. Ah, oh, yes, Murray. <laughs> Murray was my to Murray was my offsider when I worked at the AJC. Um, he's a great mate of mine, and I used to call him Zippy. I got to order him around. Zippy, do this. Zippy, do that. Right. Anyway, he said uh, he was talk- whinging about how much he paid for something. I said, "Did you bargain?" He said, "Oh no, no, I didn't." I said, "My one advice to you, young man." Bargain for everything. He said, you can't bargain for everything. I said, you can. He said, all right, what about when you buy petrol at the service station? I said, yeah, you're not going to get a discount on the fuel price because that's loaded into the system. But you'll get free stuff at the counter. Right? I said, so you go there and say, I'm not paying that. I want something else for it. <laughs> In the end, to get rid of you, yeah, they'll give yeah. you a Mars bar yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. You'll get something. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so you always got to hustle. So he, yeah. I, I think he's taken it on board now. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and he's annoying service station <laughs> attendants. When was this? What year were you doing these? Uh, are you I've, still doing I've it I've always now? done it. You're still doing I, it now? I, I but, try and get something off everything I buy. Yeah, but it, it, it takes you, like, we were, back when you got to Flemington, like, you, you were hustling and you worked out a way to get on to Flemington when no was, you just got to, moral of the story is hustle, hustle, hustle. We love that, dance. It's all about hustling. Yeah, yeah. If, if, look, no one's going to help you nope. in this, this life. You don't, no. you, you know, as my old man said, Get your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's still that lesson from... Um, I've never forgotten yeah. it. I thought, I think he's right. <laughs> so we've got six and more questions to, say, to manage everyone's expectations. We'll rip through them pretty quickly. Punt Hub, um, good friends of ours. How much time and effort is spent on placing horses going through their grades? Yeah, a lot. Huge that, thing. Yeah. That's, so that's my analysts? sort of thing <laughs> yeah, in right. our partnership. Will, Will's more on... Will, Will's quite into the technical side of, of training and that means... He's measuring a lot of stuff on horses that 
when I started training couldn't be measured, but mm. now can be. So he's into sort of that more scientific side of it, and I place the horses. Right. And so you don't have a form analyst? You just do it yourself? No, we do have a form analyst, I, and we, he's very, I think he's been very good for us. I'll, then, I'll load in a heap of options, like where horses have got to go into the spreadsheet, and then he'll go through and look at the multiple nominations for one horse and say, okay, noms have come out, this race looks easier than this race, this one looks the hardest. Mm. So if you draw well in this race, I think that's the one you should aim at. And, and that's really helpful. Mm. And, you know, it's got to the point where we will have horses accepted in two different places and we'll wait till five minutes before scratching time to pick the race because sometimes a race completely changes complexion with scratchings mm. at 7.30 in the morning. And if you're not sort of nimble and on your game, you're too committed mentally to one... Mm. one option you, you can miss a and you know with a standard of horse that we've got at the moment which is you know after the split with michael i, th I don't think there's any doubt with we've probably got the the you know the less of the of the the good op the runt of the litter yeah well no i wouldn't say that because that's disrespectful to the the horses and to the people that own it but sure. but there there are certain horses that i would like more of certain horses you mm -hmm. know it didn't happen but um we've got to place them very well mm -hmm. and, Placing horses right will win you more races than anything. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we've just got to be thing. on that a lot. Yeah. Yep. You know? And, you know, the good horses place themselves. There's a pattern with them. Yeah. They just place themselves. Yeah. But, but the lesser horses need to be placed very carefully. And do you find that mixture between the, the new fold that your son's doing with the, the data and your old school kind of approach, does that mesh well or...? Um, that can be oil and water type yeah. stuff, and, you know, because... It's taken me a while to come around. Some of it, and, and look, he can't. He's on the cusp of of measuring things that haven't been measured before, and some of that's going to work, and some of it's not going to work. He knows that. Mm. But there have been things that we've are establishing and still establishing that we can measure. There are certain measurements when we know when to work horses hard mm. and when not to, mm -hmm. and I think that's important. Yeah. And that comes yeah. out of the human. Mm. Um, the human training because you, know, you mentioned before how the horses back in the day were probably tougher is that because you just you were just they feel, had to yeah yeah you, mm. yeah we, we, we'd grind them a bit with work and the the tough ones more of them would survive it because they were tougher breed but um that's kind of seen as old school now yeah. and new school is is you've got to wait till they're fully recovered before you stress them again because it's not actually the even for humans, you'll, you'll ask any human trainer of, of elite athletes, uh, it's not training that improves performance, it's the body's reaction to training. Mm. Mm. And they ha the body has to be allowed to react to training. So, you know, it's, it's new, but everything in horse racing is new. It's a dynamic game. That's mm. what keeps you involved and excited about it is there's something new every day. Mm. New mm. horses, new mm. people, new jockeys, new methods, you know, that's... Mm. It's, like any racing industry, whether of cars, horses, whatever. Mm. Yeah. Uh, this is a good one. So from Willow, um, how much did Richard enjoy the Narc's calls on 2KY during his big sports breakfast days? Well, the Narc was a was a regular caller. You, do you remember you boys? Wouldn't, do you remember the Narc? It's funny. Yeah, that oh. it's a name. Uh, yeah. uh, did you ever meet him in person? No. no. <laughs> Apparently, came to a, an outside broadcast <laughs> and stood in the back, and then <laughs> rang us and said, 
I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> like he's kind of creepy guy. Yeah. So we'll, we'll but but a real cool guy. People thought he was a made up, you know, he was one of our mates. And that was really his voice. I know. He, he has a worse voice. No he, one's ever had a worse voice no, than him. No, apparently he, he was from Norellum. Oh, he found out he lived in Norellum. And he was just caustic and ruthless and yeah. fearless. But always knew where the line was drawn between... Because he's he kind of smart, you know. He knew where the line was drawn between uh, being caustic and ruthless and defaming people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd go right yeah. to the line. <laughs> and then he knew where to stop. So he's pretty smart. Awesome. Um, Joel, can you ask him his views on computerised barrier drawers? Ah, uh, yes. I, I know this, Joel. <laughs> um, yeah. Blocked? Look. <laughs> uh, every time I get a run of bad barriers right i'm i'm you know how the, you know how the barrier drawers are done for the most for nearly all races in australia computer. except for the very big ones computer computer, yeah. computer generates mm. a random yep. number for each horse and that's its barrier that computer i believe <laughs> is operated by racing australia out of victoria and i have rung them on a number of occasions and said when did you last get that computer audited yeah. when was it last time you checked because I, I ring them and say is it connected to the network yep Right. So they, you know, 12 year olds can break into NASA, mm. but this cannot be touched. <laughs> you know, the barrier draw computer. So they say, oh, yeah, it was, it was audited five years ago. I said, now were the results audited to see if they were random enough or did you actually audit the code? Because the code needs to be audited. Yeah, just to make it's just yeah. for peace of mind. Yep, yep, yep. Right? So you're, obviously you think you've had a bad run. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the runs I've had are impossible to have. <laughs> Mathematically impossible. Mathematically <laughs> impossible. Right. Like 20 billion to one shots getting like up. Even more improbable than how many losers TK tips? Or is that? Oh, that's phenomenal. <laughs> but, no, but, but I, I do believe that. And a lot of trainers say it. Say, a lot of trainers say, have you ever noticed how many stable mates draw next to each other? Why would that be? Is it, is it, 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 it seems like extraordinary how many stable mates will draw the barriers next to each other. You're sounding a bit like a punter, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not overly superstitious, right? but, but that's not right, that thing. That needs whatever it is, it, with all seriousness. Anything that's connected to a network yeah. needs to be watched very carefully because I'd, you boys here, would love to be able to manipulate the barrier yeah. drawer in a race before it came out, right? So make sure, you know, well, I like this one, we'll put it mm. in four, yeah. and I like this one, we'll put it out in 14, you know? Mm -hmm. How did they used to do it? Roll dice? Or? Well, they used to use balls in a barrel and that sort of oh, thing. Okay. But they're trying to draw the barriers within an hour for yeah. 150 ra mm. races across Australia. You can't do it give manually. Yeah. Give me time. Yeah. <laughs> Get them, they're off. That'd be the worst like, job. It's like they're with RSI. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from do, do you think that'd be a worse job than being a horse trainer? That job? What's that? Like manually, the person who used to manually do the barrier draw, is that a worse job than being a horse trainer? Uh, well, at least they're getting a, a, their salary and holidays. Most race horse trainers aren't. Here it goes. So. The adver adver <laughs> advertising for being a horse trainer is unbelievable on this podcast. It's, like it's a, <laughs> become a very hard business. It yeah. really has. It's, um, you think about it. We've got to go to yearling sales yeah. and basically buy horses, which means all bet, you know, bless them, the, the auction houses are selling the horses. But who do you think is really selling them? Yeah. A lot of the time it's the trainers who are then buying them and reselling mm. them. Yeah. Mm. They're the ones recruiting the owners yeah. for which they get nothing mm. for doing that. Mm. Um, you know, trainers yeah. do and 
we're all starting to add a small margin onto that to cover costs and time and all that sort of thing. And the owners largely are, are okay with it. Yeah. But, um, you know, that, that we shouldn't have to go... It shouldn't be something that we're trying to ease into the industry. It should have just been part of it. Um, we're taking enormous risk on those horses. As soon as the hammer comes down, oh, we own them. Yeah, mm. Then you've got to pay GST. So you buy, say you spend 400000 on a horse, which is not much these days. Yeah. Then you pay 40000 GST. Then you've got to insure it, right? Yeah, but it's so only insured for mortality. Right? They're not yeah. insured against loss of use. Oh, really? So yeah. it could go and injure itself on the yeah. truck leaving the yeah. horse sale. Yeah. I can't sell it to anybody and yeah. I'm on the hook for the 400000 I mean, it's an insane proposition. Mm. No other business would take it on. But horse trainers take it on year after year. But it, we've got the great game. Everyone's still doing it. Yeah. So, but it, just in terms of your life, have you had a lot of fucking fun doing what you've been doing over all these oh, years? I, I've had a ball. I've had a great life. And there's, there's, there's no doubt about that horse training has given me opportunities that would never have come my way. Yep. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. I think it's incredibly hard for the young ones coming along. Mm. They have to get, or they almost have to get a big sponsor, yeah. get behind them with money to fund them to a level where they get enough momentum to make it a profitable game. Starting as we did with nothing, I think that's an incredibly hard yeah. path now. Yeah. Um, and that's sad, mm. um, but that's the way that the sport's going, you know, that, that's where it is. So, yeah. I think anyone thinking about becoming a horse trainer, I, I, unless you think you've got a backer, yep. someone who, who can really fund you into this business, I think it's in, you're taking on a very difficult task. Mm. Marty, what is more challenging, media or training? Oh, media is a doddle. Yeah. It's mm. just a doddle. Yeah. You just turn up and talk. Like you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your total investment, like a haircut. Yeah. You know, yeah. they'll even give you the suits on. Yeah. <laughs> Racing restaurant. Yeah, so, you know, being a horse trainer, the investment you've got in equipment, yeah. the responsibility to staff. Insurances. You know, the list of things just goes on and on and on. <laughs> and with no ability, no capability of actually predicting what you might earn in that year. Yeah. Horse wins, you get this. Horse runs second, gets beaten ahead because, you know, the jockey dropped the whip 10 metres out. There's the whole year changes. Mm. So, does Will listen to you with yeah, other yeah. things in life? Because he obviously didn't listen to you about no. this rant no, that's no, been going no. on forever. Like, <laughs> is he a contrarian? What, what, what's yeah, going on? Just, he just thinks I'm old and cranky <laughs> and, you know, and, and bitter. And, yeah. and we wanted, we he wanted, might be right about all those yeah, things. You we know? wanted <laughs> Will to come today, but he couldn't, which is a shame. He did so want to listen to this great. again about, don't be a trainer, don't be so good. Yeah, well, all the, all the old trainers like that and all the young blacks say, don't listen to the old trainers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They've a, had their day. I saw a funny quote from your dad. He said he spent half a million on your you and your brother's education and he got four horse trainers out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, he, he did. He said, he said yeah, I spent half a million. Uh, Lee was at Scott's. I was there for a while, so was Anthony. Michael's a Melbourne grammar. Like, like, these are not cheap schools. No. And got four horse trainers. He said, I could have sent them to Yassi. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got the same result. <laughs> he's probably right. It's even more reason he steamrolled into the, to the ring at Canberra to get some of his money. <laughs> get your own, son. Yeah. Mm. That's a good one. That's a T-shirt, isn't it? Get, yeah, get, your, own. get your own. What was your father's name? Tony. Tony. Tony yeah. Freeman. Get yeah. your own, son. Yeah. Uh, two to go. This is a great question from Alex Allum. How many training preps does it take to work out a horse is up to standard before shipping them off to a country trainer or selling them? 
How quickly do you know before they have their first start if they are going to be a stakes horse, for example? Um, there have been horses we've known in the first – after the first three gallops. That they're they're, they're couple, elite. Please. Give us uh, a couple. Oh, like go, go way back. Big names. Scalacci, Naturalism, okay. uh, Straight away, like, we're fucking on here. Uh, you know, there, there's been a, a, a list of them, you know. Mahogany. Mahogany, not so much. Probably took a little more time with him. But um, you know they're elite from the jump. There are other horses that have become elite horses that you wouldn't have known, mostly horses that perform at 1,600 metres and further because it takes time for those horses to develop mm. and they can not show a lot early and they can be, you know, they can even run in races and look average, you know, and then suddenly you get them to a distance they're at. So, so the stayer is much more difficult. Um, how long does it take for the average horse? Look, if I was forced to sack... Everything I didn't think would be metro class after its first gallop, I would get it 80% right. Yeah. Right? Yep. But it's the 20% that you can't afford to miss out on. Yeah. You know, you could sack that, that in that 20% could be a champion. Well, Winks, Winks that was could slow be to get going. That could yeah. be a, a life changing horse in there. You cannot afford to, to miss that, mm. and neither can your owner. So you need to just take it a little further, and it usually takes me till. I kind of know if they're, if they're, you know, only country class largely before they've had their first run in the race. Mm -hmm. And then if they're not going to get past provincial class largely after they've had a, a, a few races and yeah. maybe even won one or something like that. But, it, but they're even horses even today. The thing we've got called Amatuba. Took six runs to break its maiden, you know, around the country, provincial. Then it breaks its maiden. Then it... Wins a metro race, then it runs second in a Saturday race in Melbourne, and then it started favourite here in a Saturday race, albeit she didn't get much of a run on Saturday. But there's one that's come from mm. something that I could easily have sacked mm. before it broke its maiden to something that's, that's going to win on Saturday metro races, 150000 yeah. prize money each. I mean, it's a hard thing to know. You know, yeah. ask your trainer, yeah. oh, you've got you to find out now. Okay. But don't. But if I sack a champion, don't blame me. Mm. You made yeah. me do it. What's the yeah. best one you've let go? Oh, that's a. I've never. I've never cared to remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ex-girlfriends, is it? <laughs> <laughs> mm, I, I. I don't think we've never sacked a champion. Mm. Um, I don't think any trainer ever has. Mm. But um, you know, there. There would be horses that have won group races, that. That we probably. I don't think we've sacked. They've probably been taken away because yeah. they they weren't firing with us, you know, and they've gone yep. on to win group races. That's that's happened over the years. I can't really remember anything that stands out though. Um, you mentioned you know. mahogany before. So Kerry Packer was a co-owner of mahogany. Yeah. yeah. You have much to do with him? No, but Lee has a good Kerry Packer story, which I'll happily tell. Um, when we first started training, my old man had a couple of horses in the paddock that somehow belonged to Kerry Packer. Right. Uh, and Not sitting bull. No, <laughs> we just took these horses and started training them and we're sending bills to the Packer Park, Enterprise. Park, Park Street office. Park Street office there, yeah. and they were getting paid. Yeah. So we were, you know, we were pretty chuffed about that. Anyway, they weren't much good. In fact, they were pretty bad. But the, the first one was having its first race in a maiden, I think, at Canberra. And Lee said, yeah, I'm going to ring Kerry Packer. I said, no, you're not. You're not going to ring Kerry Packer. Just send a note or something, you know. And he said, no, I'm, I'm going to ring him. Right. 
So somehow he had Kerry Packer's office number. He rang the office. This is on a Friday, I think. And got the secretary, the, the, the receptionist, and said, uh, my name's Lee Friedman. I'm a horse trainer. I've got a couple of horses for Mr Packer. I would like to speak to him. Right. And scurry went away. <laughs> phone went quiet. Came back and said, Mr Packer's not here. Um, what did you say your name was? And told him, he said, your horse trainer. And his horses, <laughs> yes. Mr Packer's at, the, at his Palm Beach residence. And Lee said, oh, that'll be fine. I'll ring there. Can you give me the number? They said, okay. So they gave him <laughs> the number. So Lee picks up the phone, rings Palm Beach. Packer residence. Could I speak to Kerry Packer? It's Lee Friedman. I'm a horse trainer. Uh, who? <laughs> Lee Friedman. I'm a horse trainer. I got, oh. Said, waited for about five, six, seven minutes, nothing. The phone's off the hook. Next minute, hello. <laughs> uh, oh, Mr. Packer. Yes. Who's this? <laughs> Lee Friedman. Who? Lee Friedman. I'm a horse trainer. I train a couple of horses for you. What are they? So, anyway, <laughs> he went through it. He said, and what's happening? He said, oh, I've got one running in a maiden. It's having its first start. And Lee went going through you. We're not quite sure if he's, you know, the, the whole trainer sort of explanation speak when you don't quite know what's going to happen. And he said, oh, stop fucking wasting my time. And I hung up. <laughs> Which, oh, I said, how'd it go? He said, not very well. Anyway. <laughs> 20 years later, 15 years later, Mahogany's in the mountain yeah. yard for the derby at, yeah. at, uh, at, uh, at Flemington. Flemington yeah. And uh, Lloyd Williams comes down and says, oh, Lee, I'd like you to meet uh, Kerry Packer. He said, oh, nice to meet you, Mr Packer. Lee said, don't reckon you'd remember. And he said, you rang me at Palm Beach. Yeah. I told you to stop wasting my time. What a memory. Yeah, awesome. He would have some big cracks at Mahogany. I know that. 1997 was when I first started working the races. Kerry Packer was in the betting ring. I was in the betting ring as well. And he was betting with Harry Barrett. Yeah. And I had a mate who was working for Harry Barrett. And he, I think he had two bets, 700,000 and 200,000 a horse. And he had a million on Mahogany. I don't know what might have been the shorts or something that day. And Mahogany won. Yeah. So he had a million on Mahogany at one with Harry Barrett, which is good Freaky betting. horse that. Won two derbies and then went on to win two lightning stakes after yeah. the derbies. So wow. wins over a thousand metres and up to twenty five hundred. Yeah. Wow. Stop. Twenty five twenty five hundred as a three as a three year old. Um, you just two, can't do that. Two derbies and then as an yeah. older horse, two lightning stakes. Yeah, that's yeah. freaky, freaky. Kerry knew. That's why he was um, a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, last question is a great way to finish. This has been awesome. Really appreciate it. Really, really good content. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Nathan Greenway says. If you could make one or two changes to racing, what would they be and why? Oh, geez, I'd make a million changes. Only allowed two. But only allowed two. Only allowed two. All right. One of them I would change. I would remix the prize money so that yep. these these big races were still worth a lot of money, were still aspirational, but I'd shift prize money down the down the uh, the, the, the order, and I'd get all the horses off training at. City yep. racetracks. And I know a lot of <laughs> trainers don't like that because they like living in the eastern suburbs. They like training at Randwick. Yep. Right? And that's a lifestyle but thing. But what about that? Isn't it more important that you start, no one has to start training horses until sunrise? Wouldn't that well, that'll most... all come with that. Yeah, right. You know, if you, yeah. if you shift them off to, to dedicated training centres, which they're largely trying to do in Victoria, although they've never been able to break that, you know, they're still at racetracks. The term, yeah. Yeah, you need dedicated training centres. Yeah. And it's better for the animal, it's more humane for the animal. And, and that's something we've got to be very, very mindful of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, uh, yeah, we all love the horse so much. So Yeah. 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 Well, we do. We, we're, we're using an animal for our pleasure. You know, yep. the, with that comes a huge responsibility yep. 
to that animal yep. to to look after it and take care of it. And we probably weren't doing the best job in mm. this industry and we're doing a lot better now and we'll do a lot better in the future. And that's one thing that could be added to it. Great way to finish, boys, anything? If you did distribute that prize money to lower races, do you think some of the big trainers would strategically then target those races? Though? Well, you'd have to spread it across all the lower races yep. so that no one gets to target it. They did actually move to that with the Bob's payments. They increased Bob's payments on certain lower grade races well, quite substantially. Of course, the big staples just targeted those races. Yeah. So it was ending up in the same pockets again. Yeah. You've got to have a system that, that avoids mm. that where everybody gets a lick. All right, we're good. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone at home. Uh, we've got Brenton Abdullah on next week, which would be great. So looking forward to having him. Yeah, he's good talent. Yeah, yeah, he's great. And uh, yeah, no, is it, ask him is about he, when he is he in the good list or the? Oh, he's in the good list. He's in the good list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hard to get, but he's <laughs> in the good list. But it, you got a question from already? This is oh, good. I just want to know, you know, what possessed him when he stood up and bowed on Let's Get His Spirit <laughs> yeah. Over One of the greatest scenes I've yeah. ever. Oh, all things, time. One of the greatest yeah. things I've ever seen in racing. All yeah. time. One of the great rides as well. Yeah, that was yeah, all time. That was just a super. To stand up on a galloping horse, <laughs> turn to the crowd and then have the temerity put your hand on your stomach <laughs> while you bow. Yeah. It's awesome. just out of, out of this world. Uh, but thank you. You're a very busy person. You've taken – you didn't owe us anything. You didn't even know any of us before. No, we came, I so didn't know you. these boys. I've, yeah. We've had we, a bit we've of had interaction. Yeah. But um, yeah, thank you very much. All the best with Will. Pleasure. Everyone's cheering you guys on. Oh, and, that's um, great. Thank you. Yeah. No, yeah. no, we, we need all the support we can get out there, boys. And, There'll be plenty of yearlings to buy shares in. That's so. it. So uh, <laughs> if anyone's keen... And you um, just call up. Don't, don't be frightened. Yeah. Just call. <laughs> just call us up and say, I'd like to be in a horse. You're in. You're in. Bang. <laughs> All right. Goodbye to everyone at home. Thanks very much. See you guys. Until next time. Peace. See you guys. Yeah.